you think about it, it seemed to me anyway, back last year in the National Football League season, the Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders couldn't afford Khalil Mack, trade him to the Bears, trade Amari Cooper for a first rounder to the Dallas Cowboys. It looks like, and Chris and I have talked about this on different episodes of Unscripted, that maybe the Oakland Raiders don't have the funds to afford these guys. And so what do they do on Saturday? They acquire what a lot of people think is the best wide receiver in the National Football League, and they restructure his contract. I'm talking about Antonio Brown as the newest member of the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, And now they're talking about bringing in Le'Veon Bell. And with this, we bring you and welcome you into the 322nd episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. And obviously, a lot of the conversation here in this 322nd episode of our little program will revolve around the opening of the silly season in the National Football League. As we are broadcasting here on Monday, the 11th of March, today they can officially start their unofficial discussions with teams and players' agents. No deals, no transactions become official until after, I believe it's 3 p.m. on Monday, but it doesn't, on Wednesday, it doesn't really matter. Nothing becomes official until Wednesday, the 13th of March. That is the first day, the opening day of the new fiscal year in the National Football League. But it is a surprise to me that the Los Angeles slash Las Vegas slash Oakland Raiders trade away Khalil Mack, trade away Amari Cooper. They're trading some guard, it seems. I can't remember his name, to the uh, New York Jets, I believe, is where he's going. And then they go out and they trade for Antonio Brown. He was had three years remaining on his current contract. He got that kicked up to over $50 million for the three-year term of his new contract with the with the Raiders. And now reports coming out of the Bay Area or Southern Nevada or Timbuktu or wherever Mike Mayock is being held up these days. What a job he's doing already as the new general manager of the Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders. But now reports coming out of wherever you get your news from is that the Raiders are interested in bringing Le'Veon Bell into the fold. And if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, how comfortable are you with Juju Smith-Schuster as your number one wide receiver? A lot of things to talk about on this 322nd episode of Unscripted as I bring in the executive producer of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, Mr. Fluke. And Chris, I'll start with you. And let's, you've got your, you've got your information right in front of you. Do you, uh, I know there's been some other signings. Obviously, again, they can't become official till Wednesday, but there's been a lot of movement on a very busy Monday in the National Football League. Yeah, so just to recap some of the major moves here, or major relatively speaking, we've got the Redskins who just minutes ago signed Landon Collins to a six-year $84 million deal, $45 million guaranteed. Uh, one of the top safeties on the market, but a lot of safeties on the market, a lot of quality guys from the backfield that are available right now. This is a, a bit of an overpay, I would say, at the very least. Landon Collins is good and he's young, but uh, hmm... I'm not sure about that one, especially with how much uh, competition there was on the safety market. I'm not sure about that one. I think this is just more of the Redskins having a fetish for Crimson Tide players 
and they've got the Bama boys already. Now they're got getting him. They could get C.J. Mosley. They're apparently interested in him. So I mean, and they they're... traded for Ha Ha Clinton Dix last year at the trading deadline to play safety. I guess Green Bay could go and get Ha Ha Clinton yeah, Dix again. Deron Payne and that line there. They got guys from the Tide and just yeah, it's, it's what they like. And if they suck this year, they can draft that quarterback <laughs> too. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, they're just uh, obsessed with Bama. But anyway. Uh, just to recap the other ones, uh, the Detroit Lions signed cornerback Justin Coleman, four years, $36 million. Uh, Solid player. This contract's just kind of average. Uh, he's going special. to Detroit, so he's he won't see any postseason. Well, they need defense badly there because really all they've got, they've got Darius Slay at corner. So if Coleman can be a nice complimentary piece to Slay, that's great because they got nothing else. And I've heard Ansa's not coming back. And, right. and so, I mean, the Lions have no defense at all. They're... Their uh, defensive highlight outside Slay is Matt Patricia. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, anyway, um, and he's more off. Too bad Alex Karras isn't still alive. Maybe he could come back and bolster that Detroit Lions defense. Yeah, and Matt Patricia is more offensive if you're around the young women than, <laughs> than defensive. But anyway, uh, okay, uh, here's the, the a really big contract uh, today, and I... You know, I know I'm supposed to be on here justifying things or telling why they happened, but I can't tell you why this happened because it doesn't make much sense. Overall, I think John Lynch has done a really good job as a rookie GM coming out of the broadcast booth and all that. But uh, so the 49ers today signed uh, linebacker Quan Alexander to a four-year, $54 million contract, half of which is guaranteed. And uh, he's now the, I think that's, he's got to be the highest, he'd be the highest... uh, uh, offline um, defensive player, or not defensive player, but he's got to be the top uh, paid linebacker ever at this point with that kind of money. And I don't know what he's done to deserve that. That seems like an odd signing. And um, I don't know. I, I, I can't really justify that. That's ridiculous. Texans re-signed. <laughs> so let's talk for a second about butt chin, okay? No, oh, let's. I love talking about uh, butt chin. Mr. Shotgun Wound. Right. Uh, friggin' vagina chin, whatever. Um, Bill O'Brien. Okay, so here's what happened. The, the the Houston Texans, you know, they had GM Rick Smith, and then, you know, he had his issues and he had to step down. And then Bill O'Brien seems to have succeeded in sort of getting rid of guys he doesn't like and bringing in his own guys now is what it seems like. And so now they're giving... Now this contract on its own, when you hear it, doesn't sound like anything big by NFL standards, three years, 12 million. But for a rotational defensive tackle who's not even a starter... Three years, twelve million for just some random dude who doesn't really do anything well. It doesn't like how do you justify well, that? That's and, ridiculous. And wouldn't you think? Because I know we've talked about this on Unscripted in previous uh, episodes over the last year and a half. Um, I don't know if defense is the biggest issue in Houston. I think offensive line would be a bigger yes. a bigger issue in Houston to address, so you can allow your playmakers to make some plays. And uh, I don't know how many times Chris and I have talked about the poor offensive line in Houston and why they aren't addressing that. I I wonder who is uh, manning the shop down there in Houston because uh, I'm just I think this team is probably one or two offensive linemen away from really making a difference in the AFC. I think they've got the defensive pieces. I really do. I think if they give the offense some time to do what they can do, meaning the IE, the quarterback, the running backs and the wide receivers, I think that uh I think they need to address what they need, which is offensive linemen. And again, it seems like Bill O'Brien, butt Jim, butt chin is screwed up again. 
I think he just thinks he's John Gruden. He thinks he's just going to yeah. take over the organization yeah. and be every position, yeah. and it's his well, team, and he's the grand pooba or whatever. And you know what? That that's a great analogy. But the difference is, is Mark Davis looks like an idiot, and the owner of the Texans, um, really a smart fella. I can't remember his name right at the top of my name. Older gentleman. He just died. Yeah, but I mean, his. But I'm talking about his team or or his his family or mm-hmm. whoever takes over the ownership. Anybody, I'm going to tell you, anybody out there has got to be a potentially a better NFL owner than Mark Davis. And it isn't just his ugly hair or the way he looks. Um, Mark Davis is a little challenged as an NFL owner. He's still living on his, on his father's uh, accomplishments from the day. And uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm a little surprised by the Houston Texans. I think they're only one or two players from really being a player, if you know what I mean, in the AFC especially, but they don't seem to want to address those problems, and I can't figure that out for the Houston Texans organization. Well, that's a really uh, well. You're right, but I mean, as an as an NFL team, that is the laziest, most inexcusable thing to be guilty of is yeah. is not valuing your non big name superstar and non positional players uh, enough, especially the offensive line. I mean, you have to be just like a, a person who knows nothing about football at all, or at the very most just some random fantasy football player uh, to un- not understand the importance of the offensive line. And it's just ridiculous that uh, this team doesn't seem to learn it. Even if you're not serious about being a contender, when you have Deshaun Watson back there, you got to protect the guy. Absolutely. You are the same franchise that hung David Carr to dry as a first overall pick and made him surrender 76 sacks, still the most ever in the NFL. And that you're the same franchise that did that. And I know that was your... Uh, first year as a franchise in the NFL in 02, but still, that's inexcusable. You have to have now learned how to be a grown-up uh, NFL franchise. That's totally ridiculous. Uh, a few more signings here. Eagles re-signed their left tackle, Jason Peters. He was going to re- uh, retire, but he's coming back for one year, $10 million, five and a half guaranteed. Uh, they do have a great... Uh, you know, the the next great left tackle waiting in the wings who needs more seasoning but is looking like the real deal. So this is a nice luxury. They could bring back Jason Peters for one mm-hmm. more year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rams re-signed their recent acquisition, Dante Fowler Jr., one year, $14 million. I like this. It, it's a little too much for him, but it's I like that it's only one year because, you know, he was the third overall pick in Jacksonville, tears the ACL right away, doesn't get to play his first year. He's been inconsistent. He's had injury problems. So this is good. I'm glad they didn't. I wouldn't even have wanted a two-year deal. Like a one-year deal is good. He had some great moments. You could say he was, uh, other than the blown call against the Rams, he was the one who was responsible for forcing Drew Brees into that interception, which eventually won the Rams the game. So, uh, you know, he had his moments. And uh, yeah, and then getting back, actually, you know what? No, let's save the Raiders real quick. Eagles also signed defensive tackle Malik Jackson, three years, 30 million. This is too much for a guy that didn't look that great last year. The Lions signed Danny Amendola because in the same way that Washington has a Bama fetish, uh, Detroit has a Patriots fetish. And so uh, one year, 40.5 is too much for him. I know they're all, everyone's all locker room guy and whatever, uh, but uh, he's old and he's not going to do anything at all. The Chargers have re-signed Denzel Perryman, two years, $12 million. Love that deal. He was sorely missed when he wasn't there. And uh, that's about all from today. There's been other ones in previous days. Um, but uh, let, let's talk about what you originally asked about. You originally asked about the Steelers and the Raiders. 
Steelers, you asked Juju Smith-Schuster, are you comfortable with him as a number one receiver if that's your team? And I say yes, actually. I love Juju. I think he's the real deal. I think he's fantastic. I think he's not just the uh, benefactor of a great quarterback and a great offensive line and Antonio Brown siphoning off coverage and Le'Veon Bell in the backfield. All those things help, but I really believe this is a legitimate number one receiver. Uh, you, you almost sounded like you were suggesting that you don't believe that he is. Well, he is number one now, and they are going to have to fill some roster spots at the wide receiver position because after Juju, I have no idea who would be catching passes from Ben Roethlisberger next year. That's a concern of mine in Pittsburgh. Um, Pittsburgh has been through a year that they are not familiar with in the Steel City. Um, They have not ever had the kind of problems that are frequented in some other NFL locales. I mean, they've never had a player that has decided to sit out a whole year. They've never had a player, to my recollection, in my 54 years of life, I have never seen the Steelers see have a player request a trade out of town. Um, it has just been a weird year for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I think that their franchise has probably taken a bit of a credibility hit. So there's some uh, there's some work that Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin and the ownership of the Pittsburgh Steelers have to do here in the offseason. This is a very important offseason for the Pittsburgh Steelers because the Pittsburgh Steelers are one of those teams that don't compete and don't make it a uh, don't make a big thing out of it when they win division titles or they or they make it into the playoffs. They are after championships. And that's what they're famous for and that's what they need to get back to. And again, I think their credibility, especially Roethlisberger's credibility has taken a bit of a hit this year. There was a lot of infighting this year in Pittsburgh, and a lot of it was brought on by the guy who now calls Oakland slash Las Vegas home, and that's on Antonio Brown. When you bring that, when you bring that camera into the locker room after a game, that is going to, you know, that was kind of the beginning of the end, in my opinion. Um, my second question from so far, from the last couple of days, when they're not supposed to be negotiating, it's the worst kept secret in the whole league. But I have been surprised by what the Oakland Raiders have done. I really have to tell you. I never thought that the Oakland Raiders would be a player for Antonio Brown because if Antonio Brown is so pissed off about not getting the numbers that he's had in previous years in Pittsburgh, where does he think those numbers are going to come from in Oakland? Now, we know that the young car has got a gun for an arm, but we also know that Carr has not played up to capabilities, but I think that is part about part and parcel of the personnel surrounding him or the lack thereof in Oakland the last couple of years. Um, I, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, I know that everybody, it's one big love fest right now, and Drew Rosenhaus is involved, and he says the Raiders are a perfect mix and a perfect match for, for Antonio Brown, but I don't know about that. I think that there would have been... I still believe in my heart of hearts, folks, that the best match for Antonio Brown would have been Indianapolis. I really do. But we shall see. If they bring out Le'Veon Bell, should be awesome. They now have a new left tackle. The highest paid offensive lineman in NFL history is now playing for the Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders. So I guess I got to, I guess I got to ask you this. And we have both, since we started this 322nd episode of Unscripted, we both kind of nodded to each other that Mike Mayock is in the early stages, has done a nice job as a general manager of the Oakland Raiders. But really, folks, can you expect after a 3-13 and season or 4-12, and whatever the hell it was 
in the Bay Area. Can you really expect this team to compete for a playoff position in 2019? No, I don't think you can. I think you've still got too many holes. And you're spending an awful lot of money on what I would call luxury items. And what I mean by luxury items is you've got to solidify the meat and the potatoes of your football team. And to me, that's the offensive and defensive lines. It's improving your, I mean, obviously somewhere the Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders are going to have to find a a decent replacement. They can't replace Khalil Mack, but they've got to have, they've got to get some kind of pass rush from somewhere. I just think long-winded here. I don't want to get long-winded because I can get that way sometimes, but I think the Oakland Raiders had bigger holes to fill than pursuing Antonio Brown and potentially bringing Le'Veon Bell into the fold. It's really uh, easy for anybody to debate this because I can see any opinion about this being legitimate. When it comes to Mike Mayock, though, I loved that hire so much from the beginning. And that was primarily because of his talent evaluation skills. I didn't know he'd be such a great negotiator, although I can't say I'm surprised at all. They said he just played absolute hardball in those negotiations. No matter what you think of Antonio Brown, even if you think he's getting old or he's got a bad attitude now or whatever... Getting him for a third and a fifth, you can't turn that. There, well, nobody can criticize no that. No question. And, and that part. absolutely, you're a thousand percent right, considering that Pittsburgh Omish initially wanted a one. Yeah, third and a fifth. And they get a third and a fifth. Like I mean, even those cheap bastards in Green Bay could afford a third and a fifth. Um, I just think there's a better match uh, philosophically, football philosophically wise. I think there was a better match for Antonio Brown. And I'm, I guess. Chris and I are the only two that were toting in Indianapolis, but I thought that was a magical place. I thought there just were better opportunities for a guy that is used to being in the postseason, that is used to seeing you know playoff football. I just don't think he's going to see it in Oakland. Um, maybe in Las Vegas in year one, 2020, who knows? But there are still a lot of holes to fill on that roster, and I think that they were better spent spending their money filling some holes that maybe aren't as glamorous and that aren't as sexy. But I think for the betterment of your football team moving forward, I think that, and I don't blame Mike Mayock for this. I believe Gruden has had his hand in this oh, yeah. from the very beginning. And I, there's a bit of a love fest going on, obviously, between Gruden and Antonio Brown. I just think that if Antonio Brown gets cranky and when the Raiders start with a 2-6 and six start to next season halfway through... I just think they're bringing on some problems that they don't need. That's all. I understand that, but there are additional factors to consider, some of which you touched on there, because I like how you said Indianapolis would be a magical place. Well, as you and I both know, there's no more magical place in the world than Las Vegas, Nevada. And when you've got a team that doesn't even have a home for this coming season, <laughs> yeah, as funny as that is, and then <laughs> but then next year we do know that they will be in Las Vegas. Oh, but now, oh, I got to tell you something. I know what you're going to bring up I know here. what I got I to tell you something. I heard the other day... That the stadium is behind schedule already oh, that's in Vegas. Say. Oh, I was Vegas just thinking schedule. that when I said that. I was just like, I wonder if it's going to be behind schedule. Because uh, again, the, the Rams were supposed to be, the Rams and the Chargers were supposed to be going into the new awesome LA stadium this fall, but that got delayed a year. Correct. And then to, to when Vegas uh, opens up, which had a big head start. So yeah, that's pretty interesting. Also, I thought, I actually thought what you were going to say there was the whole rumor about a. Uh, Raiders Packers game in Regina. Oh no, we can talk about that. That that could happen. That doesn't that that but yeah, that'd be fun to go to. Absolutely. But um I'm hearing from two different sources 
that Raiders Stadium in Las Vegas, that's the tentative name for it right now, Raiders Stadium in Las Vegas is behind schedule. So I know that the Raiders and the city of Oakland have had some substantive talks about uh, an inflated, 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 bloated price for next year. But really the Raiders, the Raiders are between that proverbial rock and a hard place in regard to where to play next year. They can't play. They had talked about moving down to, uh, to AT&T Park, which is the stadium for the San Francisco Giants baseball team. They talked about moving there, but then the 49ers invoked their Bay Area territorial rights, and so they couldn't play there. Then the Raiders talked to the 49ers about playing in Santa Clara, and that doesn't seem to be a real looked upon real great no, option. Um, so that, you know, and I, Chris and I, me more than Chris probably, because I'm familiar, you do not want to play at the Toilet Bowl, otherwise known as the Silver Bowl in Las Vegas. That should not be an option. That is not a high school stadium, much less is that an NFL, even on a temporary basis. So ultimately, I think Oakland will end up playing in Oakland next year. But what happens in 2020 if that damn stadium isn't ready? Um there's just, I don't know. It's just, I'm so excited as a, as a half part resident of Las Vegas. I'm so excited that we're getting a football team there, but 2020 seems so far away. And it even goes farther if it expands into 2021 because the damn stadium isn't ready. I did see some pictures last week and they have some initial, uh, groundwork done and they have some an initial infrastructure put in place already. But according to two people that I have heard, and one of them uh, works at the Las Vegas Review-Journal, is that they are behind schedule. So hopefully they can pick up the speed and the pace of play in building this new stadium. Because by 2020, you want to have three teams in their new stadiums. And that what I mean by that is the two LA teams and the Las Vegas team for 2020. Well, I understand that they're trying to get splashy signings, number one, because that's just kind of the Raider way. They like to have these splashy guys, these controversial guys. And Al Davis, of course, always liked that. And so they're continuing on with that. And number two, you want to have someone like an Antonio Brown to put their smiling mug on the season tickets in Vegas when those go on sale, right? So you, we had mentioned before, we said, I mean, we said, and this might not be exactly what we were picturing, but we said, you know, they've got to get serious. They're going to come into Vegas with a splash. And the Las Vegas, as we'll call them, Golden Knights, uh, <laughs> have uh, set the bar pretty high for first-year yeah, teams, right, yeah. right? So, I mean, like, hey, Vegas is going to suddenly expect things because the people of Las Vegas, the residents from there, have been so underserved for so long by not having any big four teams when they deserved at least two or three or four uh, for a long, long time. And the fact that now they finally got them, they should have had a long time ago. And of course, we saw what the Golden Knights could do. And this isn't a straight expansion team. This is the friggin' Raiders. This is right. a long storied franchise. It's been around forever. So look, they they have a right to have high expectations. I'm, it was a brilliant signing getting Mike Mayock, and he's doing a great job. And getting Antonio Brown for a third and a fifth is great. And with what you were saying about how they said they couldn't afford Khalil Mack, I understand how all of a sudden now they're making these splashy signings and it looks funny, but if you really look at the money, especially the guaranteed money, they, I mean, Khalil Mack was going to require 
uh, over 100 million guaranteed, if not 150 million guaranteed. Whereas now they're getting Antonio Brown just over 30 million guaranteed. Trent Brown just over 30 million guaranteed. Le'Veon Bell, who knows if they even get him? If they do, who knows what that's going to be? But they're signing guys, and they're and he's making corresponding moves. You mentioned the other uh, guard, Coleccio Semeli. They traded to the. That's why I left that to you because I can't pronounce that name. That's okay. They they uh, who's. Uh, that's a great trade because, I mean, all they got was to move up around for him. But they, uh, you know, that's a guy who he's good, but he's injured too. And it's just, you know, it's just a questionable thing. So you trade him across the country to the Jets, who, by the way, uh, look for the Jets to be the sleeper team this year in the NFL. They are serious. They're trying hard for Le'Veon Bell too. They are really, really serious right now. They have the second most cap space in the NFL behind Indy, another great run team with the amazing GM Chris Ballard. We're seeing Mike Mayock turn his team around it just as fast because, of course, it wasn't even him that traded Khalil Mack in the first place. That was before Mayock. But now we've got the New York Jets, and they're going to be serious as soon as this year. I'm telling you, watch out for them. I do want to make this point, and I don't... And- I'm not I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you but I will make this point. I don't believe that former Raiders general manager Reggie McKenzie traded Khalil Mack. I believe that was oh, done. Yeah, I believe that was done by Messrs Gruden and Mark Davis. I do not believe oh, yeah. that that Reggie McKenzie would have traded Khalil Mack because as a former football player himself, he would have known the importance of having a Lawrence Taylor-ish like guy rushing from a myriad of different positions on the football field. I truly believe, folks, that Khalil Mack is the preeminent defensive football player in the National Football League, and I still am a little bit disappointed that Brian Gutekunst didn't put a little bit more effort into acquiring Khalil Mack, and then the Packers wouldn't be going through the scrap heap looking for guys like Justin Houston, who just got released by the Kansas City Chiefs because the Chiefs didn't want to pay him $15.25 million by Friday of this week. Um, I just really believe that Khalil Mack is, is the ultimate defensive difference maker in the National Football League, and I truly wish. And you can call me a homer, and you can call me whatever you want, but I wish that Brian Kudekunst would have pushed a little bit harder to get Khalil Mack because that guy... Um, could be your Aaron Rodgers on the defense for years and years to come. And to get a guy of that magnitude at only 25 would have been massive for any team that was about to acquire him. I hate to say this. I'm happy for the Bears that they were able to acquire him, and he's going to help the Bears stay on top of that NFC North division for a long time, unfortunately for me. Yeah, that's true. But uh, no, Mike Mayock doing a great job, and it's just... Uh, you know, it's amazing to see what some of these teams are doing because the Oakland Raiders have, as we've mentioned before, the least revenue of any team yeah. in the NFL and having no home is not going to help. Yeah, them. That was when they had a home. <laughs> now they don't have. Now they have no amenities because they don't even have a stadium right what now. What are you going to get? Like a, <laughs> they're going to have like a girl selling lemonade stand. Like that's their concessions, I think, going forward here this year it's ridiculous but it's amazing and what Mike Mayock is doing where it looked like okay this team might as well just fold because they're so pathetic and now all of a sudden a few weeks of Mike Mayock and it's looking unbelievable look I, I got to talk to you about this Jets proclamation though because mm-hmm. um I I think your knowledge in the National Football League is up there with almost anybody's and but I'm a little surprised with the Jets 
The Jets have been the Jets since 1969, which mm-hmm. is J-E-T-S, suck, suck, suck. Mm-hmm. So um, they still have the same shitty general manager that they did last year. They still have the Miami Dolphins retread as a head coach. They still have Woody Johnson as the owner. Um, I'm just interested to see where you're getting all this confidence in New York's second city team because, again, the Jets have been pretty nondescript since their last NFL championship, which was, oh, yeah, 1969 when Joe Namath was the quarterback. Yeah, it's just – it's. It's not for sure by any means. See, I take it seriously when you say that, okay? Yeah. Out of respect to you. But I've been around longer than you have, Mm -hmm. and I've watched a lot of lousy Jets football, and I just don't see them getting better until Woody Johnson sells the fucking team. Yeah, and Woody Johnson's not helping anything by any means, and they will still have their dubious signings, like uh, whenever that was last year, where they signed Quincy and Nunwa again to too much money for four years and all that. That's fine, but and a lot of it's contingent on Sam Darnold, and I and yeah, and yeah. I want to say that I'm I specifically worded it as Jets are a sleeper team to no, watch out that. for. I know, that. I know, and uh, but I'm not saying I have confidence in them, but I think that they're one that people are going to underrate. What I'm really saying is, if you want to make a bet this year. And you can get an over-under on however many wins the Jets are going to get. Take the over. That's yeah. what I'm really yeah. saying, okay. specifically. Because they're, whatever the over-under is going to be is going to be too low. Right. And and we always say, and have always said this in the past, you're not going to make much money on a futures bet in the National Football League if you're taking the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. Or the Los Angeles Rams, for example. But you've got to take, like Chris so aptly worded, you've got to take that sleeper team uh, 20 to one or greater, spend a little money, but your, your return on your investment is going to be obviously much greater. If the New York jets break through and make, you know, make a, uh, an, an astounding, uh, trip up the standings in the weak AFC East. Um, I just don't know. I mean, this is a team that, you know, once traded for Brett Favre and we're 10 and four and then Favre loses his right arm and they end up 10 and whatever, and out of the playoffs, or eight, whatever it was. That was a number of years ago when Brett was on his retirement tour of the National Football League. It just seems to be one of those cursed franchises, one of those franchises that I know that when they get up every morning, they're out trying to improve themselves, and yet they can't get over their own stumbling feet. I put them in the same category as like the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, Second City, I use that analogy a lot. The Chicago White Sox, always playing in someone else's shadow. And that's why when people, even people from New York, when people ask them, you know, something about the New York football teams, you ask a New Yorker that's on vacation in Florida or wherever, around the world, and they, they're from New York and you ask them, you know, who's your favorite football team? Well, Eight out of ten of them are going to say the New York Giants, just because they've won a couple of championships in you know in the, within the last decade or so. They've been a little bit more prevalent than the New York Jets. That's all I'm saying. And listen, if you can get in on twenty to twenty-five to one on the New York Jets, and Chris is right, which he usually is, and if they would, Jesus, if they'd even win eight games, you're going to win some money. And I think that's what Chris was trying to say. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to win a Super Bowl, folks. I don't give a damn if Sam Darnold comes out as the second coming of Joe Namath this year. They're not going to win a Super Bowl in 2019. But if they can improve their win total, 
That's what Chris is talking about. Yeah, but I would I'd put five bucks on the Jets to win the Super Bowl. I'd put it that way. But look, pretty much every guy that's out there still, the Jets are literally in on it for based on multiple sources for all of these. I know. I mean, they're they're if nothing else, they're trying and they but have the you know what? to do I, it. I remember listening to Bob McCann years ago. He is the the legendary beat writer for the Green Bay Packers. And obviously when I need something, I go back to uh, my references to the Green Bay Packers because that's what I'm most familiar with. But I remember Bob McCann saying, Mike, one of the reasons that Ted Thompson was always so hesitant about dabbling heavily in free agency was because somebody else already got rid of this guy. Mm-hmm. This guy wasn't good enough to make my team, so we make him available to go to some other guy's mm-hmm. team. And I can see that part of it. Free agency is a crapshoot. It's a great risk, roll of the dice kind of thing. Some packages obviously work out, but then some don't. And I go back to Green Bay last year. They thought they were making the big the big free agent acquisition after Teddy Two-Tone is out of there. Mohamed Wilkerson last three games. You know, so I get I get that part yeah, of it. And Jimmy Graham was a failure. Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Graham sucked from the beginning. And uh, I don't even know who else they got. Uh, Traymon Williams, he played a lot of snaps last year, but didn't really make a big difference in the Packers secondary, whether it was at corner or at safety. So I can get where Mr. McCann is coming from, that you're you're basically picking through somebody else's garbage, but uh, it's also potentially a great way to improve your team quickly without giving up a lot of draft capital or assets that you have to use in you know different capacities but just remember that i always try to remember that before i rip another you know hole into ted thompson as much as i hated him i understand that part of it because he always was like well this is somebody else's garbage and you're just going through the piles of it is trying to find that that diamond in the rough but well we'll one, see one man's trash is another man's treasure absolutely as they say. And, and there look there is no secret i don't think there's any debate that Ted Thompson was too dogmatic and too risk averse. Like he, oh, absolutely. He, he took it way too far. No as far question. As I'm I, I couldn't agree with you more. He wouldn't. He wouldn't touch a guy that he had to give compensation to. Yeah. He'd always take a guy off a street free agent. I mean, people forget that one of his best signings was Julius Peppers. But Julius Peppers had been released by the Chicago Bears, so he didn't know the Bears' compensation when he signed him to the three-year deal. So. Mm-hmm. You know, again, great, great analogy there. One guy's garbage is another guy's treasure, and we shall see. But it's disappointing for me because I see all these names that Chris has been rattling off, not one mention of the Green Bay Packers, and they were supposed to be so, they were so invested this year in free agency because they had so damn many holes to fill. I don't see anybody going to Green Bay, and I don't see anybody picking up Green Bay's trash. I don't see Clay Matthews getting signed today. I don't see, you know, it's just. Well, I do want to try and justify if you give me a minute here just for the Jets. You're the boss, dude. You can take as long as you want. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, So, and again, a lot of this is contingent on Sam Darnold because if he keeps throwing too many interceptions, then all this can be for naught anyway. But the Jets, apparently they're uh, really in on C.J. Mosley, who's one of those quarterbacks of the defense who can really single-handedly, you know, make everybody else around him better. That would be great for them, I think. They already traded for Kelechi Osemele, which should help shore up the protection for Sam Darnold. Jameson Crowder, great little slot receiver. Mm-hmm. They're very interested in him. Like, apparently a lot of guys in the building in the Jets organization really like him. Jets are really high on Trey Flowers, who is leave- yes. leaving the Patriots and is the, without question, as far as I'm concerned, from last year's team and maybe before that, the most underrated player on the New England Patriots, period, end of story. 
and they are going to miss him. Mark my words on that one. Uh, the Jets, heavily involved with Mike's favorite, Anthony Barr. They're Ryan hard on him. Uh, Kevin Johnson visiting them. I think uh, he might have just signed somewhere here. But um, Jets are high on Bryce Callahan, who looked awesome as a slot corner for the Bears last year. Uh, they're shooting for Tevin Coleman. They're just they're going they're hard they're going hard on Le'Veon Bell. Like the Jets are in on everybody right now, and uh, I haven't seen a team like you said. You're not seeing the Packers anywhere. I have not seen any team show up more this offseason than the Jets when it comes to almost every name that's out there. They're trying hard, and like I said, they have the second most cap space. Uh, they've they've uh, they've got the potential. They might not pull through with it. Like they might maybe all this talk is nothing and they don't sign anybody and Darnold throws too many interceptions and they suck and they're the same old Jets. Wouldn't surprise me at all if I had like on gut feeling, it's hard to get over how many times the Jets have been disappointing. But if you really look at it and you want a sleeper team that's going to surprise people, I would have to say that it's going to be the New York Jets and when it comes to the Packers, uh, and here's here's what I was going to say. I just remembered now with the Packers. When you do see them showing up for names, sometimes it's ones that you're wondering, why are they showing up for that? Like the report came out yesterday from Ian Rappaport that the Packers and the Bears are interested in Mark Ingram. Yeah. Well, why? I, I don't get That's that That's what one. you're going for? Yeah, I don't get that you've got one. You've got a great blocking running back. You've got a great uh, running running back. Uh, I don't really get the deal there. Uh, now, the Packers are interested in trading for D. Ford from the Chiefs. That makes sense. But if you're looking at Mark Ingram, who's good, but like that's the that is literally like a just a kind of a decent running back. That is the last thing that the Packers need right now. We've got to run on this 322nd episode, I would imagine, as we get uh, Chris and I get together for our episode or our weeks of episodes. We'll have more. NFL discussion dispersed throughout the week because obviously this is the this is the big thing obviously this in the draft in the offseason and uh, a lot of names are going to be changing addresses over the next 72 to 90 hours whatever it is in the National Football League and we will do the best that we can to keep you up to date but for the time being again we've got to run on this 322nd episode of Unscripted we thank you for joining us and hope that you continue to do so Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.